Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Neil World Order Podcast. Coming to you from a dreary, foggy, cold uh, Wisconsin uh, evening. Uh, still, I think it was trying to snow a little bit when I was out there, but they said less than trace amount tonight, and I don't think we're even supposed to get any snow uh, this week, which is kind of uh, puts us, what, 20-something days into January and still hardly any like no real measurable snow um so far so good on this winter um just got done watching the football games for the day uh philly destroyed the giants that was pretty much that game was pretty much over in uh the first quarter and it was kind of boring the rest of the way i don't think anyone's beaten philly and then jacksonville kansas city pretty good game there uh looked like jacksonville might have a chance when mahomes uh got it twisted his ankle or whatever happened to his ankle there in the first quarter it didn't look good uh, he looked like he was in pain the rest of the game but props to him for sticking through it and doing what he had to i got to kind of just chill out at home all day today uh we were getting actually getting a new furnace put in uh the guy actually has to come back and finish up tomorrow but uh that took the better part of the day um so kind of excited for that. Uh, you know, the, the our other one was working. It just we'd had some issues in the last couple of years, and it's I believe it's the original furnace from when this house was built in 1998. So it was just kind of like okay, for peace of mind, we got a deal. Found a, a great guy to do the work and getting that done, and on to the next thing. Uh, currently enjoying a glass of. Colonel E.H. Taylor small batch whiskey. Um, my wife was awesome enough to pick this up for me from a friend of hers on, I think she brought it home Thursday, maybe? Yeah, Thursday night, Wednesday night. Uh, I'm stoked to have this. This is a very hard uh, bottle to find. Uh, 100 proof, uh, 50% alcohol from the uh, Buffalo Trace family. Um, you know, I had the Buffalo Trace last week. I liked it. This this got a little more kick to it. Uh, it's like I said, it's a hundred proof. Um, it's very smooth. It's very strong as it is. It doesn't have any heat. I uh, I enjoy it. Um, you know, it's been sitting there in the in the little. It comes in like the little tube and all that. You know, because it's this really cool high end whiskey or whatever. And I was like, man, I just want to crack that open. I was like, but I'm going to wait to the podcast. You know, I just want to get a sip of it and really get a feel for it. And uh, I actually, I really enjoy this. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to get quite a, start quite a little collection of uh, bourbons down here to try. Um, you know, I was actually reading an article that said a glass of whiskey a day. I don't think it means like a glass as tall as a glass of milk or anything. But has actually been known to help reduce uh, heart attacks and risks of heart disease. So I'm like, maybe I should drink more. Um, be honest, for as much as I love my whiskey, I really only drink on uh, Saturday nights when I do the podcast. In the summer, sometimes a little more when we're outside uh, in the pergola by the fire. You know, I'll usually have a glass out there and listen to some music. But um, I'm not one of those people, you know, I guess gatherings and stuff like that. I don't really get shitty. I kind of just sip my whiskey and kind of enjoy the flavor and just, you know, I don't know. I guess, you know, whiskey's a whole mood. But um, 
crazy thing I was thinking of, this this may all seem kind of like rambling just because this is the unscripted part of the show. My cousin sent me a picture of an old friend of mine um, from high school. Uh, he unfortunately uh, had got himself arrested. Uh, I didn't see the details or anything. It was just kind of like a mugshot. And, and I'm not making light of the event. You know, it's sad. And uh, I made the joke that, you know, back then when we were in high school, me being the new kid when I moved to Tennessee, uh, you know, I was considered the bad influence. Um, I guess I I dressed differently, you know. I wore a lot of sport clothing. I was a huge sports fan. Um, you know, I did listen to rap music. I wouldn't say I was like a little hip-hop kid or anything like that. But, you know, I wasn't wearing tight wranglers and you know dress like i just walked off the uh, set of yellowstone or i don't know whatever bonanza back then so i kind of got looked at differently you know and i guess i had a different attitude being from a different place up north um you know i obviously outspoken and it was always like you know man he you know the it would always go around whether it was like uh friends of gr different girlfriends mothers and stuff would always be like like I was the bad influence you know I was the this and I look at it the circle that I used to run with um and you know some of them have, have done great they have their families and they're good but then you know there's like the other half of them which I had not I'm not responsible for any of this at all but have had their issues with substance abuse in and out of jail some of them in prison uh dead and, and I look at it and I'm like you know I thought I was the bad kid I was I mean I never believed any of that I was just I think I just got a kick out of it because you know maybe even then it was just like hey if people are talking about you you're doing something right but um yeah I was thinking about that and I was like man looking back on that now you know and I even felt for my friend because I was like dude I you know I before this mug, you know, and I think it said there was something on there about some probation violations or whatever. And I'm like, wow, I never even knew he'd been in trouble or anything. And I was kind of like, gosh, that's, you know, it, it, it's sad, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't know why I felt like sharing that. But uh, just went to a conversation that Adam and Jay and John and I were having the other day. And I was just like, man, yeah, here I was supposed to be. And I never been in trouble. I never been arrested. I never been to jail. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, like Chris Rock says, you ain't supposed to go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyways, so uh, just some catch up from last week. I totally neglected to talk about the great song "Time Go" by the artist Caught a Ghost. Uh, they're kind of a duo. It's like an indie, electric, soul band. They're out of L.A. I stumbled across them. Um, they were actually, the, the music was a backdrop for some video uh, I was watching. I don't know if it might have been a TikTok or on a show on TV. And I actually love the song. And so I kind of did what I do when I find an artist I haven't heard of in a song. I do this dive, uh, you know, and listen to more and more of their music. But... Um, I really liked it. I could honestly say it's probably not the type of thing that's for everyone. It definitely, you know, sometimes you need a mood for it. Um, I did enjoy it. I was like, wow, I'm going to add some of these to the uh, playlist. And, um, you know, 
go from there. But yeah, check out Caught a Ghost uh, if you're looking for something different. The song Time Go is a brilliant song. I really like it. Uh, just think it's it, it, it's different from a lot of their other stuff, which was one of the first things I noticed. Is like, oh wow, for the most part, their music doesn't sound like this. You know, they just have this one song that was bam, and then for the most part, the music is something else completely. But anyways, I enjoy finding new music. Um, it's always kind of I don't know. It's 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 like getting getting something new. It's like a gift, I guess. Um, you know, and I feel like here lately I've been doing a lot of that, finding new music, um, just different stuff, maybe maybe widen, widening my uh, palette or, you know, for what I'll listen to, what uh, I really enjoy listening to, what I'm in the mood for. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it lately has been on the countryside. You know, I've had the, the whole Zach Bryan and... Zach Bryan and Ryan Bingham. If you're not listening to Ryan Bingham, I think I said this before, you need to be listening to Ryan Bingham, uh, Drayton Farley, um, Whiskey Myers, um, Paul Coffin. Um, oh, man, there's a list of them. I, the, they're, they're not in the script. This is just me talking off my head. But um, they're just... The, it's like a handful of these artists, Larry Fleet, which uh, they collectively make up what I call my drinking playlist, which uh, if I wasn't doing this would be playing while I'm sitting down here in the Southern Comfort Zone right now. Um, you know, and I don't know, does anyone, I don't know if anyone else does, do, do people make random playlists, you know, with their, I use Apple Music. And they're kind of like, if you think about it, they're digital mixtapes. I have them for different moods, uh, events, uh, travel, you know, what, whatever I want to do, you know, and I was thinking about this as I was going through the playlist and I was like, yeah, wow, these are like mixtapes. And you think, wow, mixtapes or mixed CDs or whatever you remember that that used to be a thing like way back in the day, right? You know, say it with music or, you know, you're going to share these songs with your friends, or your girlfriend or whoever. And on my, my playlist, I have like a chill list, which was kind of like my mellow songs for maybe like decompression in the car or in the shower uh, outside you know sitting around the fire usually around the fire it was always like country music and I just because it just kind of fits the mood uh, there you know obviously my drinking list I've made lists for parties uh, travel events you know every everyone back in the day had their uh, workout list you know and it's it's I think the playlists are like your efficient way to weed out those songs that maybe you're not always in the mood for, right? And we all have them. Songs that are like, you know, when your Apple Music's just shuffling or whatever, that you probably never listen. Every time they come on, you skip or whatever, you know, but you don't delete it. You keep it there because one day you might want to listen to this random song by John Cicada. So you're not going to delete it from your your entire library. And I was like, man, I, I, I feel like, I'm, you know, when I skip these songs, like I'm always adding, but I'm never deleting. So I told myself, you know, what, maybe I'll make a concerted effort to go and delete these songs. But then you feel bad. You're kind of like, oh man. And I have, I have the monthly Apple Music thing, so it's not like I've paid for these songs individually. But you're like, hey, that's somebody's work, and I'm just essentially clicking the garbage can app and throwing it away. And obviously, they're way more talented than I am. But maybe that's that's why I do it. I know. Spotify is huge with a lot of people, and I know you can do the premium stuff and all that, but um, honestly, I, I hate commercials, so I, I, we use, like, Spotify and P 
Pandora at work and all that. And, it, and my wife sometimes will do it around the house or through the Alexas. But like I said, I like my Apple music. Um, I love satellite radio. I do, you know, going back to, I appreciate all the listens I get on Spotify, though, because that seems to be where a majority of the uh, downloads and listens for the podcast are. So maybe that's just like a bigger thing. Maybe it's bigger with the younger kids, or I don't know how many younger kids are listening to this. They are just to listen to some grumpy old man drink whiskey and rant. But yeah, if you're listening on Spotify, keep it up. But, you know, music is kind of always playing uh, around me. I think sometimes it drives my wife crazy. Um, You know, actually, as I was putting this together, I had music playing at work, you know, just as my backdrop. Uh, When I'm cleaning house, music, you know, sometimes the headphones are on. If I'm working on a project by myself, mowing the yard, pretty much doing anything, I'm jamming out to something. You know, and sometimes it's my playlist, sometimes it's just all my music on shuffle, sometimes it's an album, uh, you know, maybe one of those days where like, yeah, I'm just going to listen to some Metallica, or I'm going to listen to some Clint Black, or, and my musical taste is completely eclectic, so it's all over the place. But uh, as long as I remember, it, I've been that way. I, I was just like, I was the guy that, you know, even thinking about going to the gym and stuff like that, that if I went to a gym... And my Walkman, Discman, iPod, what if it died at the gym or I forgot it, my ass was going home. No music, no workout. I, I need music, you know. And even, like I say, back in the day, I had my workout playlist too, you know. It's like you have your ACDC songs, uh, songs that get you pumped up, maybe some wrestling theme songs in there or whatever. Just kind of, you know, obviously no Debbie Gibson or uh, Bee Gees, maybe. But, um, it, it was good stuff. And I was thinking about that as I was typing this. I was like, wow, getting back to a gym or doing some exercise is probably literally something I honestly should get back into. It, it's crazy because, you know, I, sh- I look at it and I'm like, oh, where do I where do I fit that in in my schedule or life? But then the duality of that is I probably need to fit it in to make my life better. So, you know, you're always like everything's a double-edged sword, the duality of man. And I'm always amazed, you know, and I talk about this all the time, how the days, weeks, months, years, they go so much faster now as an adult. Man, when you were a kid, like, you think about it. You went to school on Monday morning, and all you could think about was Friday at 3 o'clock. And it seemed like it was, like, eons away, or even summer vacation, or Christmas break, or Easter, or spring break, whatever. And now it's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, the weekend comes, bam, it's like Saturday's gone. Like, I literally, I did not leave the house today. I think I, I don't even think I went out in the, I might have went out the front door once. I think I was out in the back with the dogs. That was about the extent of it. I sat on the couch, watched some suits, watched football, and uh, hung out with our dog, the dogs, and this and that. And, but yeah, it just blows me away. Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever get used to it how quick time flies as an adult. You know, I feel I'm aware of it, but I don't think I'll ever get used to it. And maybe I just need to adapt, and that's kind of the key to solving the whole riddle of time, so to speak. But uh, speaking of dogs, um, I talk about our foster dogs often and the things uh, we've done and have done with uh, Albert's Dog Lounge all the time, which they're on TikTok, they're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, go follow them, donate. Share, share the dogs that need help. Uh, there's a million ways to be involved that don't require 
physically being there or fostering a dog. If you want to foster, get involved. It's a real easy process. All you really do is hang out with a dog in your house just like it's your pet till it gets adopted. Well, this past Sunday, a week, you know, like about a week ago, we um, had the opportunity to foster this amazing 100-pound St. Bernard. This gentle, shy giant uh, named Vienna. I know it's a terrible name, but uh, she's four years old, and I don't really even think she knows it. Uh, she call, she comes to it sometimes. I honestly just call her Big Girl, and I'll share with you what her new name is going to be as we wrap towards the end of this. Um, this this is our first experience with a St. Bernard. Personally, I have always wanted one. Like I, I mentioned, I think I've mentioned before, I grew up with like little ankle biter dogs, so I've always wanted big dogs. When we first got... Daisy, our border collie, who's only like 35 pounds. That was the biggest dog I'd ever had, you know. And then we got Ellie, and Ellie's like 90 pounds. She's like a pit plot hound mix. Uh, the Beagle's obviously a little fat armadillo-looking penguin thing. But this big girl, St. Bernard, she is, she came here so shy and so unsure about things. It, it broke my heart. Like, I, I've literally, she was surrendered by her owners. Um, she wasn't abused or anything like some of the other dogs we have. But she was surrendered because apparently she nipped at the one-year-old child in the house, which, why a one-year-old is unsupervised around a grown four-year-old St. Bernard is a whole other story. But, like, I think this was really the first time. Like, I've seen pain and struggle in some of the dogs we've had, you know, just based on what they've been through and what they've experienced. But, like, I, I saw sadness. And it was tough because, like, she's this beautiful, majestic creature. Um, you know, and she, I think, in some extent, she was neglected. Like, her nails were long, her ears were dirty. She needed a bath and a brushing. You know, she kind of very... Did a lot of sleeping when she forget, first gets here. And it, it's a tough thing. You know, she came from Georgia. She spent a night in Tennessee and then was on a van with, like, nine other dogs coming here to Wisconsin. You know, she's thrust into this new environment with new people. You know, our other three dogs who couldn't have been more accommodating. Uh, you know, I know they're dogs, but, like, I was very proud of our dogs and how they sensed the animals are way more intuitive than we give them credit for. They sensed her space. The beagle especially. Um, the beagle has this knack for knowing what people, um, other the other dogs that come in the house need, and she can be that buddy. She can be that sense of security. Like a, like she's just there. She when you have a bad day, she will crawl up into your lap, put her head on your chest, and just love you and just be there and. You know, it's awesome. Like, she's very, she can be very therapeutic. And she, she worked and worked to make um, our new buddy feel feel good. And, you know, so through the course of this week, uh, one night we managed to get this very reluctant 100-pound St. Bernard into the bathtub which I promise you is an experience you have to be part of to truly understand and appreciate. Um, needless to say, uh, my wife and I were able to bathe her, uh, blow dry her, and brush her. And I, I don't think she's smelling anymore. 
but I, I don't know. But she literally had the saddest face. You know, when we have this rule, like, uh, in fostering, rescue, adoption, whatever, that it's like three days, three weeks, three months. When the dog first comes in the house, it takes them three days to decompress. You know, think about it. If I took you out of your home and put you in a new house, hey, you live here now. You're not going to just acclimate from the moment you walk in the door. Like, it's a, it's a process. There's emotions. There's trust. There's all these things involved. And like clockwork, on the third day, like, the, my wife sent me this video of, of her and Ellie playing in the backyard. And she just came to life. And her tail was like, she was amazing with myself and my wife from every point. Like, she just wanted to snuggle. She just wanted to be patted. She wanted to be loved. You know, and she needed that security. She leaned on you. Um, she just, she wanted connection. You know, you could sense it. And as a breed, they're very affectionate. You know, they don't, they don't bite. They don't, they're not mischiefy. You know, they're just, they're protectors. They're lovers. They're just big. And she doesn't even come off like a dog. It's just like she's this big animal. And she's small by St. Bernard standards, you know, even at 100 pounds. <clears throat> but, I, you know, I almost feel like, you know, she had come to us initially with a broken heart, you know. And, and I get it. Why wouldn't she? You know, her people quit on her after four years. And, you know, and that that's another thing. I, I will never understand giving up on your pet. Like, I can't wrap my head around it. Most days you won't even get me to hear you out. You know, you make a commitment, you adapt, you fix, you correct, and you resolve whatever the issue is. Like, that that's just how it goes. I understand financial hardships. Maybe in that instance, you know, I look at it, too, that if that had the potential that you probably weren't in a position to where you should have gotten a pet in the first place. Um, and I know that's harsh, but I said what I said. I also get health issues or deaths um, where owners can no longer take care of their pets you know, but then there's the part of me that's like, shame on the family members who don't step up. And, I mean, family's family, you know, your pets, whatever. But um, our girl, she's a happy story. You know, like I said, after about one week here, she's really, she's found her forever people, officially. She has been adopted. She is still here. Um, they have a trip planned, so she'll be, they didn't want to take her home, let her kind of adjust and leave her with a sitter, uh, like a, a dog dog sitter. So she's going to stay here uh, through the 31st. They came to meet her today. Lovely people. I'm always, between Kai and myself, I, I would say I'm always probably the hardest sell when people come to adopt our fosters just because obviously I want to keep them all. So I always, you know, and we have this conversation which I think a lot of the people who foster and stuff do, you know, when every dog comes in and you, you tell yourself you want to keep it and not, you know, it's like, can I give them a better life than someone else? You know, and there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes you tell yourself yes, and a lot of times you tell yourself no. Um, and big girls, her name's going to be Rosie is what they're changing her name to. The husband is retired. He's home all the time. Uh, she'll be the only dog. They have land. They're dogs of their life. Um, they have a history of rescue. They rescue pities, which, you know, it takes a strong person to commit to that and overcome the stigma that comes with pit bulls. That's very unnecessary. They're beautiful, amazing dogs. And uh, they came in, and she warmed up to them. 
and I could see how much they were going to love her and, you know, she's going to have the best life and be the center of attention. And that's everything she deserves. That's everything I want for her. Could I be selfish and say, yeah, you know, I think sometimes the, the mayhem of our three dogs makes her a little anxious and maybe over time that would get better, but maybe not, you know, so this is an awesome fit for her. Um, my goal is to eventually have my own St. Bernard after this because it was amazing. She was amazing. And I, I love big, giant dogs. I, I just do. Uh, I think it, they're just lovable. And, you know, I, I love my little beagle, but, like, little dogs really aren't for me. I found a cool St. Bernard rescue um, north of Milwaukee on Facebook. And it looks like they're always looking for people to foster as well. So I'm like, okay, there will be more opportunities, you know, once we... There's always the decompression for us, too, when a dog leaves. You know, there's a there's a joy and a sadness. Like, you're so happy for that dog, but then your heart hurts um, because you grow attached to him. You miss him. But, you you know, from the minute you bring them home into your home, you realize you're just a step, you know, a chapter in their story and what's to make their life so much better than every day it was before they came into your home you know and that that that's what it's all about and i i love animals you know i think they need us to help them and look out for them. <laughs> unfortunately i don't have the same compassion for people that i do uh animals but rosie uh and i shared pictures uh those of you who follow me on social media have seen her and she's this big beautiful just beautiful saint bernard and I'm happy that she'll be staying with us, you know, for the next 10 days. <clears throat> but sad, I'll be very, I'll probably be a blubbering mess when she leaves and come down here and cry myself to sleep or something. It's usually how it goes. But yeah, so that's, I feel like it's been a while since we've talked dogs and fostering and that. So I just wanted to fill you guys in on that. But. <clears throat> Very excited with the meet and greet. Can't wait for her to, uh, you know, start to live her best life. So we come and we come back to uh, cancel culture and all kinds of stuff all the time. It's great segue, right? I don't know. Um, we could talk. I want to talk about uh, Ivan Provorov. If you haven't heard. Provorov, he's a defenseman for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers in the National Hockey League. He sat out of Tuesday night's pregame skate because he refused to wear the uh, special Pride Night jerseys the NHL was doing to chase hugs from the Alphabet Mafia, the LGBTQ. I, I think they're always adding numbers to it. Um, the jerseys were worn only in the pregame skate, and then they were going to be auctioned off for charity. Provorov uh, declined to participate, stating that he wanted to be true to himself and his religion. He's a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, he is a Russian. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and in a society overflowing with idiocy and this wokeness ideology, I kind of look at Provorov as, as a breath of fresh air. He, you know, his statement was like, that he believes people should be able to do what they want and feel, you know, think he, he was not condemning the uh, LGBT whatever community, he didn't have anything disparaging to say about gays or any of that. He just said that 
to stay true to himself and his beliefs. He was just not going to participate. His coach supported him. His team supported him. Obviously, the media, you know, shit themselves and went crazy and, you know, proclaiming, you know, some form of bigotry or this lack of inclusion. Inclusion is such an annoying word because everybody's included in everything because everyone has the opportunity to do everything. So there's really no lack of a c- inclusion. When they say that, they're, what they're saying is they want to include men going in the women's restrooms and, and vice versa and men playing women's sport. Like, that's the inclusion they're talking about. They're not talking about, like, actual everyone being included. They're talking about idiocy and insanity. And they hide it under this big umbrella of inclusion. It seems like the majority of NHL fans or people in the country overall agreed with Provorov's stance and supported him because his jersey sold out on the NHLshop.com as well as Fanatics. I actually looked myself just out of curiosity to make sure it wasn't just some tagline article and it very it was true um you know and the media doesn't want to tell you this because you know so go go look for yourself and i've said this over and over again my you know and i feel like till i'm blue in the face that i have no issues with the gay community or gay marriage or people being able to love whoever they want do whatever they want pretend to be whatever they want to be um but i have a huge dislike for pandering you know, and I, I refer to it as hug chasing, which is you're doing something just to seek the approval or validation and nothing more. That That's all it is. It's like, hey, look, you know, like virtue, virtual signaling is hug chasing. It's just like, mm, look at me here. Give me a hug. Tell me I'm doing good. Show me, you know, and, and it's social media has made hug chasing like a complete art form. You know, whether it's from people who have to post videos of them doing good things. Like, you don't have to post a video of you doing something charitable or something good for... Like, if you're doing it for the recognition, you're chasing a hug. You're not doing something good. There's there's differences. And, you know, and whether it's, you know, the box store selling their Pride merchandise during June, July, I don't know, May, whenever Pride Month is. Sorry, it's not on my calendar. Um, you know, the commercials, all the silly rainbow colored company logo changes, it's all 100% hug chasing. And sometimes in those cases, it's dollar chasing. They're, they're marketing it. They want a dollar. They don't give a fuck because those same companies were probably on the other side of the issue 30, 40 years ago when the viewpoint or mood of the country was different. So they're, it's literally just. It's just this guise of inclusion. And, and you know, it's kind of like I said, here, here, here's how I see it. If you have to tell people you're inclusive or promote your virtue or wear something to tell people about it, like, I'm an ally and this and that, like, it, is it real? Because, like, shouldn't your everyday behavior and how you operate your business or live your life, shouldn't that be the manner in which people see your overall acceptance and compassion and kindness and whatever towards people, not because you put a sticker on your car or wear a T-shirt or put something in your social media profile or whatever. You're, you, you are the living example, and not to be religious, because I'm not a super religious person. Like, you know, like, kind of like, Jesus, just, just be the part. Don't talk, don't talk about it, be about it, you know? And, and I think we get lost in, 
emojis and t-shirts and acronyms and it just becomes so superficial and so you know and, and I think that's that's my biggest issue with it it's just like you know when you tell you're telling people about it constantly and commercializing it promoting it to me it's so distasteful that if I was someone who maybe considered myself a member of some marginalized community I, I think I'd honestly be upset that these corporations and companies and leagues and sports teams and all think I'm that stupid, you know, but, but, but they do, you know, and on the other hand, you may have a percentage of these marginalized, they call themselves marginalized. I'm not saying they're marginalized, just using the adjective communities that they want that. They just want that hug. It's like, you know, we all have that person at work that like needs attaboys you know, I'm one of those people where if you leave me alone, that's how I know I'm doing a good job. I don't need you to come by and be like, great job, Neil. You're heck of a heck of a job you did there. You will just leave me alone. Let me have my space. Let me do my thing. Confront me when I'm wrong. You don't need to tell me when I do right. Being, you know, no news is good news. I had a boss that always used to tell me that if I don't hear from him, it means you're doing something right. And I'm like, hey, that's the way it should be. You know, I don't want to be bothered. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I look at it. Provorov has every right to feel how he feels and believe how he sees fit. And I think he should be able to do so without backlash. Uh, just as those who choose to support the Pride Night events have the right to their beliefs as well. Like, I don't have a problem. You know, so I don't... These companies are private companies. They can do what they want. But, I mean, I'll call them out on it that I see it as pandering. But... You know, and I don't think this is an issue where it's a question of right or wrong or good or bad. It's just personal beliefs and difference of opinion. And I think we've become terrible at seeing other viewpoints outside of our own as a society, and it's ridiculous. Like, agreeing to disagree is okay. Like, some people, like, like I feel like that has, that sentiment is lost. People, you know, and people feel how they feel, and like I said, they're entitled to it. And you, I, whoever, we're not entitled to an explanation of why or how they feel or how they came to feel the way they do. It's none of my business if Provorov even hates gays or kids or if he hates fucking turtles. Like, I'm not him. It's his life. Do you, man. Whatever. You know, as far as if I'm a hockey fan, I just, you're a defenseman. I hope you're just doing your part to keep... The other team from getting shots on goal, maybe scoring a few yourself, clearing the zone, not icing, killing penalties. Woohoo! That's what you're paid to do. <sighs> you know, and we've become so preoccupied with this idea that everyone should see things one way. And I think one side of it is worse than the other. And it's this tunnel vision of just stupid wokeness. You know, and, and I was thinking about it, and it, everything kind of is, you know, it all goes back and it all derives from something. Or there's other examples of people who live this way. You know, I thought, you know who else was about everyone thinking one way and looking one way and acting one way? It was that Hitler guy. And we all know how that ended. But, um, you know, why do we care what others think and feel, though? Like, I ask people all the time when they're upset and they're bitching about other people's choices and beliefs you know, I'm, I'm like, well, why, why do you care? Like, why do you care if this guy hates Puerto Ricans or hates 
gay. Like, you can hate people and not hurt. I was like, it's how he feels. Why do you you personally care? Why are you involved, you know? Well, I just think it's wrong. Well, cool. So you think it's wrong. Cool. Now move on with your life. Go eat lunch. Go do whatever. You know, and I ask it all the time, and nobody has ever given me anything I'd even consider a logical viewpoint or answer or rationale to why they want to know. And I think, I just don't think it needs to be that way. You know, everyone doesn't need to be labeled. You know, this constant state of identity politics, it's all nonsense. And, you know, we I talk about it all the time, the world's just gone stupid. I even, I came across an article this week when I was doing this where, and I didn't read too far in it because the headline pretty much told me it was written by an idiot. And it said, uh, they were calling Hall of Fame NFL coach, total stand-up human being, Tony Dungy. He was being labeled as a right-wing extremist for attending a march for a right-to-life organization. So he was being considered bad and extreme for supporting right to life for the supporting the unborn children of this country's right to be born that was considered extreme and it's weird because we that's the same world we live in that calls a deadbeat father you know, who calls a father a deadbeat who's non-supportive, doesn't support the mom, doesn't support the kid, doesn't see the kid. But then the woman who opts to kill her unborn child is courageous, and she was just making a choice, and, you know, that's between her and her doctor and all. And it's just, like, it's idiocy. You know, it's stupid. It's, it's people not thinking, people not understanding. And... It's crazy, you know. There was, going back to Provorov, this blew my mind. And I even dug into this to see if this was true. This NBC commentator, former NHL player EJ Raddick, he was some half-assed player, not worth a damn. He said Provorov should go back to the Ukraine because of refusing to wear the jersey, you know, that if he doesn't like the way things are here. And I didn't know. I thought, you know, by here being America, you actually have, you know, freedom and choice to live your dream and think how you want and speak what you want. Um, apparently, E.J. Raddick doesn't believe that. And he doubled down on his comments saying that maybe Provorov should get involved in the uh, conflict or war that many believe is going on over there between the Ukraine and Russia. And I was like, no, this guy will see no nothing for those statements. Dude should have been fired should never be on TV again. He shouldn't have been on TV anyways. Clearly, he's a very low-budget commentator, and there was no need for him to be there. But, um, yeah, I was just like, wow. You know, now they're telling people to leave. And, and that's kind of the liberal mindset consistently. It's like, think like I think, or you're not welcome. You know, and they're the party of tolerance. Remember, they'll tell you that themselves, which has always been such irony. You know, and liberalism has kind of always been in bed with hypocrisy and idiocy. And when you look at it critically and, I don't know, on a deeper, more mature level, it's more sad than funny, you know, because it's it's like this critical thinking disease that leaves one 
one's mind so void of sound logic. Like, there doesn't seem to be a remedy either, and, and that's even scarier. You know, sometimes the younger kids grow up, and they acquire things, they work hard, and they realize they want to keep more of their money. They like their uh, lifestyles, and they're like, hey, the government wants to take it and give it to these other people. You know, and, and they, they develop conservative values often when they have families and kids and form meaningful relationships and don't just eat Doritos, smoke weed, and play video games all day. But, I, I, you know, and there, I, I don't know what you do, you know. You just, what do you do? But, yeah, go buy yourself a Provorov jersey. Kind of doing like a circle and coming back home. If you want to, after all this deep thought and engaging conversation, if you want to just relax and enjoy some great music, Turn on some Bare Naked Ladies. No, not like Cinemax or porn or whatever. Um, the Bare Naked Ladies, the band, formed in the suburbs of Toronto, up north in Canada, in 1988. The Bare Naked Ladies, they've been entertaining audiences for over 30 years. With over 15 million albums sold, uh, the group initially hit the charts with the release of the single, If I Had a Million Dollars, title of this episode, off their first studio album release, Gordon. <clears throat> their second rock album, or their second album, Rock Spectacle, garnered them mainstream success here in the U.S. in 1996. It featured The Old Apartment uh, <clears throat> and a redone version of the Gordon single, Brian Wilson, after the uh, Beach Boy singer. Their next release, Stunt, would be their biggest commercial success, featuring their biggest hit, uh, one Week, It's All Been Done, Call and Answer, everybody knows One Week. Uh, real catchy, almost kind of like rappy, singy song. You know, they had their fifth album, which would see commercial success as well with Pinch Me. And then later, they would do the theme song for the hit sitcom, The Big Bang Theory, which was on TV forever and is probably be in syndication forever, like Friends and Seinfeld and all those other mega shows that just... You know, I, I personally was never a fan of the Big Bang Theory. I can't stand Sheldon, so I, I just, like, can't watch it. But um, the Bare Naked Ladies, they kind of evolved over the years, kind of going from, like, a mostly acoustic style to eventually bringing in elements of pop rock, even rap. Their lyrics were always witty and comedic. Uh, it, they, it makes them a hit. They're, they're a real big hit live. They draw huge crowds at their concerts. They still tour today. I saw them once uh, years ago at the House of Blues in Orlando. They were great. It was just a fun time, cool concert. <clears throat> I enjoyed the set beginning to the end, and, you know, it was just a fun night. And then even at that point, I didn't know a lot of their catalog. Um, the song, If I Had a Million Dollars, always takes me back to my uh, Cedar Point days and Louis Bar and Harbor Yacht Club or whatever they used to call it when they'd stamp our hands when we'd go in there. Um, that Louis Bar was like the place every night to get shit faced and hang out after working a twelve hour miserable day. Um, every night, this this was like one of the last songs they played there. Um, especially, I remember some. I think it's summer ninety seven, ninety eight. It would be like there was you'd get the uh, P Diddy uh, B I G song like the Every Breath You Take I'll Be Missing You song. 
they would play this, they'd play Return of the Mac by Craig Morrison, great jam. I never hear Return of the Mac without, it's in a commercial now too, uh, without thinking about Cedar Point. Um, and then, um, yeah. So like I said, every night was one of the last songs. It just kind of takes me back to me and Scott and the crew. Uh, in our younger days, living our best carefree life, spending our money on alcohol and being dumb. You know, those were the days. And it's crazy to think, you know, coming up this summer, I will be 25 years removed from those days, which is like, you know, I'm as far away from those days as I was old as when I was knee deep in them. And time flies. We talked about that, right? The wheel keeps on moving, time's undefeated. And here we are, and speaking of time, we are 45 minutes in, and that's all I got tonight, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show uh, brought to you by me and Colonel E.H. Taylor Smallbatch. <clears throat> I am going to wrap up, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Follow us on social media. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Hopefully, somehow, tomorrow, the Cowboys and 49ers, while playing each other, both lose. And uh, we won't have to see either of those teams again, but unfortunately that's probably not going to happen. So maybe something like in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, maybe Bane shows up and like drops a hole in the field or something. But um, anyways, peace, good night, thanks for tuning in, see you next week.